What we are doing this morning, one of the things that we are doing this morning is saying so long, farewell, Alvita Zane, goodbye, to Steve and Linda Morehouse. Steve and Linda, where are you guys sitting at? There they are over there. And so we're going to have a, a cookie social out afterwards where you'll have the opportunity to uh, give them a hug and share with them your, your feelings about them. But also, while I'm preaching today, rather than falling asleep, I'm going to have you uh, fill out this journal where you can write in some sentiments to Steve and Linda. So I'm going to start with Liz. You can, if you want to just write your name, that's fine. If you want to write a couple of thoughts, that's wonderful also, uh, so that Steve and Linda can take this with them as a memento of the congregation here. So just sign your name, sign a thought, and pass it on. Now, I find it just God's sense of humor that we are having a cookie social the day that I am preaching about fasting. <laughs> it just worked out that way. But uh, that's what I'm going to be teaching on. It's the next lesson in the Sermon on the Mount series, Building Godly Discipline into Our Lives. I keep repeating myself, but Peter said it's okay if we repeat ourselves as teachers because sometimes it's necessary that we repeat ourselves so that the same thought can come across and really be driven home. We are on a journey as Christians that began with our conversion when we conveyed to Jesus, our love for him, our faith in him, and he gave to us his Holy Spirit and we became new creatures in Christ. That's when the journey began. But this is a journey, church, that never ends. This is a journey that will take us into eternity through the resurrection and never end. We will never, ever be outside of the presence of the living God. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is good news. Let's stop and think about that for just a moment. Even now, though we see through a mirror dimly, the apostle says, one day we will see face to face. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have become new creatures in Christ. And we, because of that, Know the presence of God. You've experienced it. I'm sure you have. Those moments where there is no other explanation for the peace that you have in your heart. The joy that wells up within you in spite of circumstances that perhaps even overwhelm you other than the presence of the almighty, sovereign God. That's what we have. And that's what we want to share with the world, because the reality is, is outside of Christ, those people do not know God today, nor will they be with God in eternity, and that is bad news, an eternity outside of the presence, the love, and the goodness of God, and that's why we proclaim Jesus Christ. That's why we let his light so shine in us that others may see it and glorify our Father which is in heaven. It's an amazing thing, but it is the thing. Everything in life circles back to the gospel, to Jesus Christ. 
He's the one that spoke all things into creation. He's the one that sustains creation by his mighty power. And he is the one that is drawing us into a fellowship with him through the cross and through the resurrection. So we're on a journey. And in that journey, the expectation that the Father has of his children is that we grow up, that we become mature, that we become like him. That's what the ultimate goal is, it says in Romans chapter 8, that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that image is an image of love. We love because he first loved us. And so when we love, the, the presence of God comes out. So, so we're growing into love. But in the first 18 verses of chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus is talking about the behaviors that had always somewhat been expected of the Jews, of disciples, people who were following after God, giving, prayer, and now fasting. These are not new behaviors that Jesus is introducing. But what he is doing here in chapter 6 is telling his disciples that when they engage in these behaviors, and when I say they, really I'm talking about us, because we're his disciples here this morning. When we engage in these behaviors, we are not to be like the people whose primary focus is religious. In other words, a desire to be seen and admired by other people for these activities. The most important aspect of any Christian's life, those of you who have pens, you can write this down. This is important. The most important aspect of your life as a Christian is the part that only God sees. It's not what I see. It's not what anybody else sees. But what does God see? That's the most important part of your life. And that's what Jesus is getting to here when he's talking about giving and prayer and now fasting. He says in verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They wanted to be seen by others. Others saw them. Others thought whatever they thought of them. And that was all they received as a reward for their fast. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So fasting, biblical fasting, I have observed through the years, sort of takes one of two extremes, typically speaking. You have your people on the one side who are not following Jesus' example. They let it be known that they are fasting. And sometimes they'll fast for extensive periods of time because they want other people to know how spiritual they are. Then you have the folks on this side of the spectrum who never fast, who never engage in the spiritual discipline of fasting. Or if they do, they really don't understand what 
fasting is all about, what they are engaging in, and the dynamic of it. Hopefully this morning, we'll explore a little bit about the middle ground with regards to fasting. I want to talk to you about why we fast, when to fast, and how to fast. Biblically speaking. I mean, there are a lot of people in the world that fast also. We don't fast to lose weight. That's not what it's about. So, why do we fast? Well, first, because Jesus did. And as his disciples, we follow his example. Jesus entered into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted of the devil. As he was entering into his public ministry, he engaged in an extended fast because it would give him a spiritual focus and power, and we'll talk about that. So Jesus fasted, and in fact, John the disciple and his John the Baptist and his disciples also fasted. And his disciples came to Jesus once and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered and said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus here is explaining to the disciples of John that they're not fasting right now because I'm with them. There's no need for them to fast. The fullness of the presence of God bodily is with them. So there's no need. But when I am taken away from them, when the Holy Spirit comes, then there will be a need to fast. So Jesus expected that his disciples would fast. And again, Back in chapter 6, in verse 16, he says, when you fast. So there is a, an expectation that fasting will be a part of the spiritual discipline of the Christian life. It's not unusual. It's no more unusual than giving of our financial resources or praying. In fact, the three are very intricately tied together. In each of the instances where Jesus is talking about these spiritual disciplines, he talks about the same thing. Don't do it like the Pharisees are doing it. Do it in secret. Understand that your Heavenly Father will reward you because he is observing your heart. So they're all very much tethered together. It's not an extraordinary thing as a Christian to fast. So that's one reason Jesus did it. And he told us that we should do it. Secondly, we fast to humble ourselves before the Lord. In the Old Testament, there are many examples of people who would fast. They would deny themselves. They would clothe themselves in sackcloth and ashes to humble themselves before the Lord and demonstrate to God that their heart was seeking after him that their heart was desiring him more than anything else, more than comfort, more than food, more than prestige. They wanted God's will done in their life. So we humble ourselves. And it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 6 that we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And at the proper time, he will lift us up. God 
is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So another reason we fast is to convey our humility before the Lord, to express to him that we desire him and we desire the spiritual reality that he provides far beyond any physical comfort that we can uh, pursue or possess. So those are a couple of reasons why we fast. Well, I, I, there's an additional one. We, we fast in order to, I alluded to this, to seek his face, to determine what his will is, and to do his will. Back in Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah, talks about the kind of fast that he is seeking from his people. And he says this, Shout it aloud and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day, listen to this, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of fasting, you do as you please and exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it not Excuse me, is it only for bowing one's heads like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This is the kind of fast that I have chosen, says the Lord, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. It is to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will appear quickly. So the Lord is going for the heart. That has always been what he is after with regards to us, our hearts. We can go through the outward motion of fasting as the, the Israelites were here and saying, okay, God, I've fasted. How come you're not doing what I want? How come you're not meeting my need? And God is saying to them, that is not the point. True humility seeks after my will, seeks after what I desire and accomplishes it. So the point of fasting, in addition to humbling ourselves before the Lord, is to take that next step to understand his will and to do it. To live out that spiritually driven life rather than the carnal life. So those are some reasons to fast. So when do we fast? When is it appropriate to fast? Well, certainly we fast in times of crisis. When we are confronted with a crisis that is overwhelming and we need to hear from God, we need to understand God's will and perform it. Esther, when she was confronted with the destruction of her people, told her uncle Mordecai, tell the Jews 
to proclaim a three-day fast, and we will seek after the Lord, and at the end of the three days, I will go into the king's presence. So it was a crisis time. They needed to know what God willed. They needed to communicate to God their dependence upon him. It was a time of great crisis. There's another passage in uh, 2 Chronicles where the Ammonites have come against the nation of Judah. And King Jehoshaphat is overwhelmed. The numbers that the Ammonites are coming with should far, were far superior to the Judah army. And so Jehoshaphat called together the people, proclaimed a fast, and they humbled themselves before the Lord. And the Lord himself ultimately did battle for the nation, defeated the Ammonites. So again, in crisis, when we need God, when there's absolutely no other way, we come before the Lord. We humble ourselves through prayer and fasting. For spiritual power, just routine spiritual power, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration praying. And of course, this is where uh, he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, the voice of the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus was confronted with a demon-possessed boy. And his disciples were trying to cast out the demon, but were unsuccessful in doing that. Now, this is interesting to me because the disciples had already gone out on mission where Jesus had empowered them to cast out demons to take authority over demonic forces in his name. And yet here, in this instance, they were not able to cast the demon out of the boy. And so Jesus spoke to the father. This is the wonderful uh, situation where the father says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus, how come we couldn't cast him out? We've done this before. We should have been able to do this. What was different about this situation? And Jesus said to them that this kind, this kind of demonic force goes out only by prayer and fasting. Now, no doubt the disciples had prayed to have the demon cast out. They had prayed. They had followed the directions that Jesus had given them. But the one thing that they had not done, the one thing that they were not prepared for was the power of this demonic force and the necessity to interact with that through a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It spiritually empowers us over demonic forces. So that's another time when we should fast. And and really, when I say time, that is at all times. We should have regular periods of time in our lives where we step aside and deny ourselves something, perhaps food, uh, perhaps some other kind of activity that detracts from our focus on spiritual realities. But we should have a regular lifestyle of fasting. That is what Jesus' point was to his disciples. You have to be prepared in advance when you encounter this kind of power. If you're not, if you haven't been praying, if you haven't been fasting, when you encounter it, you will not have the authority over it that you need. 
So, why, when, how? How do we fast? Well, as I was just mentioning, we should fast regularly. We should set aside times with some regularity. And everybody is going to be different with regards to this. But where we are stepping out of whatever our regular routine is, lunchtime, meal, uh, evening, dinner, and setting that time aside for a focus on God. In his word, praying, seeking his face. That should be a regular activity. But there will be other times that we are in crisis, as I mentioned, or distress, or in need of God's will being revealed to us. In those times, led by the Spirit, we should set aside a season to refrain from engaging in some kind of activity. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in the marital relationship, where he says there are going to be times in the marital relationship where the husband and the wife refrain from sexual activity for the purpose of focusing on God. But when that season has passed, then Paul says return to the normal uh, activity of the marriage lest Satan tempt you. So there are going to be times where you will enter into an extended period of fasting. Not just skipping a meal, but perhaps going for a few days without food or a week without television or whatever God speaks by his spirit into your life. Again, this is a very, very uh, personal and individual process. I, I can't tell you exactly what you should do. I can just give you these general outlines because it must be spirit-led. It's got to be spirit-led. You should enter into uh, any time of fasting with a purpose in mind. What are you seeking? Are you just demonstrating humility before God? Are you seeking his face to get a word from God? Are you uh, desiring some kind of spiritual uh, power? And potency, there should be a period or a purpose that you are uh, seeking after. It should not be uh, flippant or non-intentional. And then finally, you should have a very specific time period that you enter into when you fast. You should go in knowing, I'm going to fast for lunch today. Or I'm going to fast for all meals today. Or I'm going to fast for a period of three days or I'm going to spend this week without television, or whatever. You need to have a start and a finish point. And here's the reason why. Because Satan will attempt to distract you. He will attempt to tempt you, just as he did to Jesus. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You can do it. Jesus was hungry. His body was telling him he needed food. But Jesus responded, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus had a very specific period of time, 40 days, and that's a study in and of itself, the period of time that Jesus fasted, that he was going to fast. And he was not going to succumb to the temptation of Satan. So you need to have a very understood, outlined period of time 
that you are going to engage in a fast, what you are going to fast from, so that when the tempter comes, you will know. You will understand. That is either my flesh or the enemy trying to get me to succumb to that. Because going in, the Spirit led me. This is my start point. This is my finish point. This is what I am restraining myself from. So, why, when, and how? It's a spiritual discipline that, again, we should not go to extremes about. We should not ever, we should, we should never, excuse me, we should not, never. That's a double negative, right? Not, never, so, never. I'm so confused right now. Don't keep fasting out of your life. But don't go to the extreme that your very first fast is going to be for 40 days. Find out what the Spirit is leading you towards. And then, as with giving, as with prayer, make sure that you are doing it from the heart, seeking God, desiring His will, not doing it to be seen by others, not doing it so that you can pat yourself on the back spiritually, but so that God can be glorified. Okay, and God will reward you. And that's a good thing. I love rewards from God. Okay, I want to stop now. And um, sing our hymn. And then we're going to circle around. So let's go ahead and stand up and we'll sing the hymn, Spirit of the Living God. <laughs>